Welcome to This is Robotics, radio news, podcasting news and commentary from around the world. Please join us for today's radio news report with your host, Tom Green, for news, analysis, and commentary from the wide world of robotics. Radio News is a production of Asian Robotics Review, your most trusted news resource in global robotics. And now, here's Tom. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This is Robotics Radio News. I'm Tom Green, your host and fellow companion through this month's journey through the world of robotics, news, research, and information. Welcome. Also, Happy New Year. Wishing everyone a healthy, happy, and prosperous 2023, or Year of the Rabbit. For Asian Robotics Review, our parent organization, it's our birthday. Going on our sixth year of bringing you the best in robotics news, information, and research worldwide. We launched in the year of the rooster, 2017. This is Robotics Radio News has been podcasted for a little over a year now. And happily and gratefully, we've become the number one robotics news podcast worldwide. To all of our loyal fanboys and fangirls, thank you so very much. Each month, you can catch up with us at Asia Robotics Review, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. As good news for 2023, forecasts for the robotics industry from Statistica are saying that revenue in robotics market is projected to reach $34.9 billion in 2023. The market's largest segment is service robotics, with a projected market volume of $26 billion in 2023. Revenue is expected to show an annual growth rate of 552 resulting in a market volume of $43.32 billion by 2027. In short, indicators are looking real good for robotics in 2023. Here, here, I'll second that. Today's podcast reflects much of that good-looking forecast. China, for one, is going on a buying spree from 2023 to 2025. It's our lead story. China's strategic plan was just released this week. It's fascinating for both domestic and foreign robot producers alike. Then we'll catch up with Mark Messina after his one full year of helming Adverb Technologies in the Americas as Managing Director and CEO. Mark cut his engineering teeth in the AMR biz way back with Kiva Systems, and as such has a great purview into the logistics industry in general. Together with Mark, we'll look at three of the top tech trends facing logistics for 2023. Micro-logistics... 5G, and cybersecurity. If you're in the logistics industry, these are three can't-miss topics. Then it's time for What's New in Robotics. It's the podcast version of the blog we do for Robotique, the company whose tools and know-how simplify collaborative robot applications. What's New in Robotics goes to CES 2023, which was held earlier in the month. We'll take a look-see at why CES 2023 came and went so quietly. And was it a good place for robots? CES 2023 seemed to ask the question, should robotics have its own global TV network or somehow become a hybrid together with live trade shows? You'll be the judge. Okay, let's get on with the show. Our next article is kind of a shock. It's got a shocking title to it. China to amp up robot usage 2023 to 2025. I mean, China's already the world's largest buyer of industrial robots for nine straight years. 
It's a country that buys, on average, 21,000 industrial robots each and every month. Does that sound like a country that needs to amp up its robot usage? Actually, yes, and there's good reason for it. China's got a failing grade for its Made in China 2025 plan, in which it promised 50% of all industrial robots bought in China would be homemade by Chinese robot makers. Today, that's at 39% of its goal, with only three years left to meet the goal of 50%. More worrisome still for China, China registered more deaths than births last year, marking 2022 the first time that the country's population had dropped since the 1960s. Of course, decreasing population is a problem throughout all of East Asia. Korea and Japan are both also under the gun to do something about dwindling populations and dwindling workers. Earlier in the week, China came out with a new plan of action. It's called the Robot Plus Application Action Plan. And it's backed by the Ministry of Industry of Information and Technology and 17 other government agencies. Interesting title. Get that bit about not only robots, but applications? That's different. According to the China Robot Industry Alliance, in 2021, sales volume of industrial robots in China reached 271,000. That's up by 50% from the previous year. So there's definite demand, steeply rising demand in the Middle Kingdom. China intends to accelerate purchases for robots in manufacturing and agriculture, logistics, energy, healthcare, education, and elderly services. I mean, that covers just about everything. Got anything to help the cause? Well, China's buying. China says that it'll be looking for not only robots of nearly every type and function, but also 100 innovative robot applications, plus over 200 model use cases where the technology can be applied. Those new wrinkles of applications and use cases are all important. Seems like what new jobs or functions robots can be made to do will get primary attention from the authorities this year. So look to China to continue its buying spree of industrial robots. But also, Beijing will be looking closely at new applications and use cases. And oh, by the way, Made in China 2025 is still in force. The plan has got to raise that 39% to 50% in two or three years. Originally, the Made in China 2025 plan called for the year 2020 to be the year for 50% and 2025 for 70%. But of course, COVID killed off any chance of 50% by 2020. And also, by 2025, Beijing expects the country to be selling $14 billion worth of domestic homemade robots by that year. $14 billion. So, going to be doing 50% in 2020, which they missed, 70% in 2025, which is now reverted to 50% by 2025, and in addition, selling $14 billion in domestic homemade robots by the same year. Lu Zhang Yuan who's the director of the Shenzhen Gaodong Industry Research, or GGII, said China had failed to reach the 2020 target because there was still a large gap in core technology between homegrown and foreign brands. He said further, 
Confidence in homegrown industrial brands has not been fully established on the user end, especially in high-end industries such as automotive, 3C manufacturing, which is still dominated by foreign brands. Ning Zi, a leading professor of robotics and automation at the University of Hong Kong, said he was not surprised at all that China had failed to hit its goal because the market has been significantly impacted by both the trade war and the pandemic. However, the recovery in the sector would be stronger than other industries as demand is still there, he added. Hear that? Demand is still there and China is ready to buy. I mean, are there any robot sales teams with order books in hand anywhere in the world who aren't on flights to China right now? Hope not. 2023 is shaping up to be one of the greatest years ever for robotics. Let's get going. Don't miss the tide. And now for Mark time. Good friend Mark Messina is here with us today. After his one full year of helming Adverb Technologies in the Americas as Managing Director and CEO. According to Allied Market Research, within the warehouse automation industry, the global AMR market was valued at $2.7 billion in 2020 and is projected to reach $12.4 billion by 2030, growing at 17% from 2021 to 2030. Mark cut his engineering teeth in the AMR biz way back with Kiva Systems. Back in 2008 at Kiva Systems, Mark was part of a startup that wanted to reinvent the centuries-old warehouse business. And it did. Two dozen squat machines like orange suitcases on wheels pushing blue racks across a warehouse floor is where Mark Messina learned to be a disruptor. Now he's leading Adverb at the very same task, but packing a lot of experience and know-how along with it. We got to speak with Mark about three hot-button topics for logistics in 2023. Micro-logistics, 5G, and cybersecurity. Well-spoken, intelligent, and savvy, with a really good podcast voice, Mark joins us from California. You've been the head guy now for about a year. we got Mukesh Ambani. He buys 53% of Adverb Technologies in India. The next thing we know is Adverb Technologies is in North America, and it's being led by one Mark Messina. And he said, hey, this guy Mark Messina, wasn't he in the same game way back with Kiva? With Mick Mounts and Raffaello Dandria, I said, well, this guy was a foundation guy. This is a great guy to have on the show. So that's why we love talking to you. Uh, You're very knowledgeable about robotics, AMRs, and also specifically about your company, Adverb Technologies. So what's going on other than you came here, opened an office in Texas, opened an office in Irvine, California, started a research facility in Silicon Valley, and how to introduce yourself to all of North America and probably South America. So what are the high points? What have you been doing for a year? It's been it's been a quite a journey, not just for, for me, especially for Averb. Averb has grown quite a bit in the last year. We now have EMEA headquarters based, I think, in not Rotterdam. I'm trying to remember the name of the town in, in Europe, in Holland. We've got office in Germany, so we spread to Europe. We've got Singapore, Australia, obviously India. We've got several offices as well as the States. Um, the company has really dug in and, and made a commitment to become a global player. Um, and it's built on the vision of our founders. You know, if you talk about 
product design and and where we come from, one of the things that I love about Adverb is, is um, it's built. It's not duplicated. So, you know, the, the core of what we have is the software. And the fact that we built the software from the ground up, um, which, of course, I think India is very well known for, for its software strength. And we've done a fantastic job with building a very robust and very capable software platform. And then we've attached that to, you know, basically everything in a warehouse. So we have, you know, voice pick, we put the light, we, we have things that are non-robotic. We have conveyor um, that we build and we design and build ourselves, including our own controllers, as well as all of our robots, which I think you're reasonably familiar with, but we've got a variety of AMR and AGV technology that we apply in the warehouse. And so really Adverb is, has stepped into its role as an end-to-end integrator that's very lean and nimble. Um, and I liken Adverb to, you know, the Tesla of integrators. Tesla, when Tesla came on scene, everybody said, you know, who's this Tesla? They'll never be the big three because the big three could just flip a switch and crush them. Well, it didn't actually turn out that way. Tesla, because they didn't have to deal with a lot of the a lot of the history within their company and what they're dedicated to in terms of manufacturing and supply chain and the legacy products was able to really focus obviously on doing what they do spectacularly well. I would posit to say that Adverb is similar in that way and that we don't have legacy to deal with. We have very lean, very effective software built on the latest tools. So we, you know, it's our baby. We know it. We love it. We know what it can do, what it can't do. We know what we can do with it and what we can make it do. And then in terms of hardware, the, you know, we're on, I, I won't count the number of Genesis, but I'd say at least the fourth Genesis of most of our robots. And it takes a while to get good at hardware. Right. But Adverb owns its own factory, right? We have, we bring in sheet metal and electronic components. We have PC fab in the factory. We we take sheet metal that's in the flat. We laser cut it. We punch press it, press break it. We powder paint it. Then we do the full final assembly. So, you know, as far as what's happened in the last year, the company has really grown in maturity. And I think it shows up. We just look at the States in particular. It shows up in the fact that we have our, our headquarters in a beautiful location in Irvine, California. We also have a Bay Area R&D center, which is focusing on our next generation architecture and really stepping up our game in terms of uh, reliability, quality, price, serviceability, all of the LEDs that engineers love. And then in Irvine, you know, we're we're staffed for success. We have our sales, solution, project management, deployment, service, admin. We're all, you know, we've already started servicing customers. And as we look at growing the team in the U.S., as we've hired the team in the U.S., just about everybody has traveled to our headquarters in the Delhi area of India for a couple of reasons. I think most importantly is when you're working in an international organization or a global organization, culture comes into play. So cultural immersion, understanding who's on the who's on the other end of an email, knowing their voice, knowing what their personality is, and knowing their capabilities from firsthand experience. You know, not just a week, but several weeks of of spending time together and working together has really paid off in terms of how we've grown and and inculcated our staff in our founders' vision and our way of operating. So that training is very valuable. We're at about 23 or more people now. We've got people, like I said, Bay Area, uh, also in Irvine, and remotely throughout the U.S. Significant portion of our staff is remote, which is great because our customers are everywhere and our talent is is the key to our success. Some of our staff come to us from 23 years or 20 plus years in their last role, uh, so they're you know 
that's not and certainly wasn't their first role in the industry. So we've got right. we've got some very, very, very deep talent on staff. I like to say that some of our staff have maybe forgotten more than some of the new guys know. And it's it's just a great testament that Averb has been able to attract such amazing talent. So, you know, first year staffing wise, setting up our press in the US, especially that we focused on leveraging the technology breed robots and software. And then lastly, you know, without disclosing specifics about names or amounts, we've sold systems already in our first year, small and large, which as a company that's a startup, as a company that is a global startup with our headquarters outside of the U.S. is a real testament to our staff and our systems that we've been able to sell systems and we're already starting to deploy systems so we're you know we're working through, we're working the whole system exercising the system that the company as a whole to deliver this uh, to our customers and we're doing very well and uh, hats off to our staff and hats off to our customers well it leads me to my second question which is micro logistic i mean with all this speed that's happening with you know amazon showing us that hey you can get stuff there the next day if you really want to so now we have now we're in this world where instead of maybe having a large DC or a large warehouse, people are making 25, 30 warehouses that are 50 miles from their customers. Now, obviously, you can't yeah. put everything that's in the big DC into the little micro places, but two things that seem to be happening. Companies, especially retailers, have to build 25 little warehouses instead of one. And that means everything, does everything go up? Expenses go up? I mean, you got to have robots for each one of these things. You got to have a system for each one of these things. And uh, so how does that affect adverb? When a guy says, hey, I'm making 25 little micro logistics warehouses. How can you help me out? What do you say? It's a fascinating problem, isn't it? Um, the whole industry is physically changing. You know, we're going from these really large DCs to now micro fulfillment centers, which are you know, in California, especially, you see them in neighborhoods, right? We're getting that close to the customer. And when you look at urban centers, you know, big cities, micro-fulfillment is pretty much the only way to, to make the system continue on the trajectory it's on. So it's a fascinating problem because it affects, or fascinating development, because it affects not only the fact that we're building, you know, 25 to 1 warehouses now, because we're getting smaller and closer to the customer. But last mile delivery and the logic that goes into last mile delivery is also deeply intelligent compared to what it used to be, where, you know, you if you remember many years ago, there was just a route that a, dro a driver drove. And when the driver drove your route, you dropped off your package. And if he didn't have it that day, good luck next day, you, maybe you get it. But it's no longer that way. Even the, the last mile delivery trucks are much smaller, much more able to, you know, get in and out of where they need to and go back to the micro fulfillment center because it's much closer to get a refill. So it's changed the logic in, in how we operate the entire supply chain of delivering your products. And how does that affect Adverb? You know, Adverb is, um, you know, our founders are come from the industry. They have firsthand genuine experience. They're also obviously very well educated, but they come from the industry. They've got, you know, they get the scars on their knuckles to prove it, and they they've they've lived it. So, you know, we develop new technologies that react to the desire or the the demand for smaller warehousing that gets more local. You know, you're putting a warehouse in a neighborhood. It's no longer a million square feet with, you know, sitting on a on a major freeway that can access 
you know, pretty much a corner of the country. Now you're accessing several neighborhoods or, you know, you can count where you're delivering in zip codes. So well, some of these things are, are what? I mean, some of, if, if, if somebody buys and wants to stock 25 warehouses, they're not all going to be the same dimensions. Do the engineers come back and say, holy God, we've got 25 warehouses. They're all different. They're all old retail stores and we got to fit them for high speed e-commerce. This is, this is, I mean, 25 of them, not just one, but 25 of them. How do you deal with something like that? Of course, that that's a huge challenge because the the key to to most companies growing is scaling efficiently. Right. And we, we've, we've witnessed that with Amazon because they have some fairly common footprints, or they did until they started getting truly into micro-fulfillment. And those those common footprints that run on common software architectures, that means the system is predictable. You can roll, you can, you can reel it in, you can expand it, you can grow it and shrink it pretty easily. And, you know, Amazon, not to continue, not to always talk about Amazon, but they are, they are good at what they do, has made decisions. If you remember when the pandemic sort of ended, they said, okay, you know, we see demand dropping. We need to pull back on our expansion plans. We've built enough capacity. And so they've refocused and said, how do we get more local? Because that's, that's what we need to do to continue the velocity. And how that works for a company like Adverb is, you know, we're very reactive to meeting those needs of, of our customers, whether they're customers that can say, you know, we have three formats and we're going to build 50 warehouses and you only have to figure out three formats or whether it's a customer says, you know, we have we have vision to build 50 warehouses and not one of them is the same as the <laughs> right. other. There you uh, go. Which, of course, makes everybody's hair on both sides of the table stand on end because doing everything custom if each instantiation is a custom one-off it's obviously doable it's just getting it right takes takes time and effort and you become less efficient that way so you know naturally anybody in this business will prefer um, uniformity but adverb responds with technology building blocks that can fit into any operation whether it's our you know velocity systems or our zippy systems medius which is a new product um, our sortie which is a new product which is designed for um, return as well as outbound as well as outbound shipping so we've reacted to the fact that the industry is is meeting customer the customer needs, which is ultra fast delivery of just about everything. And not everybody is Amazon. We service, you know, a vast number of customers who have different needs and we have the building blocks. And the beauty of this, of, of all of our mechanical, our physical building blocks is it all operates on our platform. It all operates on our software. So we, we don't worry about making all these disparate systems work together. And that is where the efficiency can really fall off a cliff during integration is when you're trying to knit together different systems from different companies that all have different ways of working and different personalities about how they approach engineering and solutioning and all of this, man, I tell you, it can turn into the tower, tower of Babel <laughs> yeah, so with, sure. with, with one site. It's doable. It might be painful, but trying to do that at multiple sites at one time, it can be, you know, can make you tear out your hair. And so you, obviously um, there's advantages to the commonality, the, the the single platform that we offer and the interoperability. We we can, we've got all the plugins where we can plug in just about anything, whether it's collaborative robots or, 
you know, other entirely other producer systems into our system. We we always have to bring in other elements that aren't necessarily ours um, when we do integration. And we excel at our at our software flexibility and the fact that we can integrate so easily on that backbone. We'll return to our conversation with Mark Messina shortly. Still on tap are his insights and outlook for how logistics will deal with 5G and cybersecurity in 2023. But first, let's take a quick trip to Las Vegas in the aftermath of CES 2023. What's new in robotics looks at this year's Vegas event from a robotics point of view. What's new in robotics is the podcast version of the blog that we do in partnership with Robotique, the company whose tools and know-how simplify collaborative robot application. CES for 2023 came and went quietly this year, January 5th to the 8th, Las Vegas, minus much of the online hoopla that for weeks preceding its opening usually attends the world's greatest consumer electronics show. Attendees looking for robots at CES 2023 also got a quiet show. Post-COVID, since 2021, CES simply has yet to fully recover and return to its heady times of too much to see and experience in only three days. This year, a half-day's rambling about would have been enough to see all the robots at CES 2023 that really mattered. As Brian Heater of TechCrunch remarked, at some point when we weren't looking, CES became a car show. Of the robots that were there, Vanessa Bates Ramirez wrote in Singularity Hub, some of them were silly, some ingenious, some a bit creepy. Not all of these will end up being widely used. The robots that mattered seem to come down to Japan's agorist, with its harvesting robot named L. John Deere, yes, that John Deere, showed off his very remarkable autonomous planter that gives up to 60% Savings on seed starter fertilizer. Phew, that's a huge savings. German Bionics wearable robots, Apogee and the Smart Safety Vest, which the company calls Smart Wearables. Samsung's Parky, essentially a rolling battery recharger, a big one, for recharging EVs. And finally, AO, a multitasking service robot from the Japanese company Aeolus Robotics. It has two working arms. Wow, isn't that different for a service robot? Hardly ever see one working arm. A distinct rarity among service robots with two working arms. So, uh, Aeolus, congratulations. As a former CES speaker and presenter on robotics, I agree with Brandon Bussman, analyst and managing partner of Las Vegas-based B Global, when he said that this year, it's not your father's CES that we once had, even just a few years ago. And now Reuters is reporting that some prominent hotels on the Vegas Strip were hit with a consumer antitrust lawsuit in federal court accusing them of conspiring to keep hotel room rates artificially high. Wow, that's a lot. I've often thought when returning exhausted to my hotel room at CES, why is it that the best robot in town is the monorail that I just took back to my expensive hotel? My tired legs were so thankful for that monorail. There's got to be a better way of serving up great robotics 
without the torture of having to walk an expo floor. Should robotics events have their own exclusive online TV network? There's the Travel Channel, the Cooking Network, HGTV, Court TV, the Golf Channel. I mean, they're all out there. A myriad of others. Why not a 24 by 7 robotics TV network? Over a decade ago, in 2011, UBM's Michael Kushner explained it pretty well. I mean, give a listen. This is 10 years ago, and he's really explaining something that really should have been around 10 years ago. You know, I was recently at a conference where one of the presenters stated that the hybrid event, which contains both physical and virtual components, is the new black. It is true that more and more show organizers and meeting planners are recognizing the benefits of integrating virtual solutions around their physical events. It extends the event via greater access and longevity and really transforms the physical event experience into a multi-dimensional brand. You know, virtual extends event reach to a much larger potential audience. It often provides significant cost savings to both show organizers, sponsors, exhibitors, and speakers. It enables content to be repurposed, providing greater shelf life, and also enables direct interaction between attendees, both virtual and physical. Physical event ends, but virtual lives on through the archive, enabling the physical event to become an ongoing community. What this does by doing a hybrid is you actually create a virtual playground, if you will, for social networking, exchanging information, sharing ideas, and transacting business. You know, our experience has been is that the virtual component actually enhances physical attendance and increases revenue through additional sponsorship and exhibiting opportunities. The other benefit is that it does increase ROI and value to the exhibitors and sponsors, providing an ongoing marketing platform beyond just the days of the physical event. The key to a successful hybrid is integrating virtual into the physical event brand rather than treating it as an ad hoc add-on. These are two completely different user experiences that coexist and complement each other and enable show organizers to engage the community throughout the year. I encourage show organizers, event managers to explore how virtual solutions can enhance their event and brands. Okay, let's do it. Sounds great. Please don't make me wait for the metaverse. Okay, once again, it's Mark time. Hey, Mark, you're on again with 5G. 5G. How do you deal with the latency when you and still benefit from 5G if you're a robot? Well, it's funny because this is a question that's, that's come up. And I, it's a very technical detail. So I, I know a bit about the wireless communication network, but I'm certainly not an expert. But I do have somebody on staff who is an expert. And so I asked him... A question a while back about you know as as adverb transitions over to late to why from wi-fi to 5g you know talk to me about the real benefits and he gave me a bit of an education that took me beyond my understanding of where we're with you know my understanding was probably 3g well yeah. 4g yeah, <laughs> right so so but we keep progressing we just keep going up in g's and so he explained to me that first of all you know, IoT and cloud compute require high bandwidth, very efficient communications. And IoT devices, by their nature, you want to have very efficient battery usage. You don't want to plug in IoT device if you don't have to, because it takes away from mobility. So if we think about robotics, warehouse robotics as scale IoT devices, you know, when we think about IoT, you've got you've got sensors, you've got actuators, which basically that's your hardware in your robot. Then you've got connectivity, 
which is your communication, whether it's Wi-Fi or 5G. Then you've got cloud, which is your compute. And it doesn't make sense to put compute on the device, the robot itself, right? The less compute you put on the device, the less costly it is, the less battery it uses, because compute uses a lot of battery. So if you can beam all that back by a very efficient, very reliable communication network and put the compute onto, onto platforms that have cooling, that have easy access to power, that don't need to be mobile, because they're just sitting there doing computing and beaming their their compute back by this this 5G communications network. You've just made batteries last a lot longer. You've you've dedicated a lot more power to your actuators, to your sensors, this sort of thing. By the way, actuators and sensors are becoming commoditized as are you know batteries, which is an entirely different story. But of 5G, we couldn't see the developments in robotics. And even things like self-driving cars, you wouldn't see without this kind of a reliable backbone network. The question about latency, you ask, I would say specifically with warehouse robotics, but generally with communication in general, we live in a very complex environment for communication. There's a lot of metal infrastructure in most places, especially in warehousing and in factories, especially self-driving cars. So there's a lot of metal infrastructure which makes, which made traditional you know the traditional previous generations of the the Wi-Fi the wireless network not as not as energy efficient because they had to use a lot of energy to find a signal to keep that signal to communicate but 5G is very efficient with with its communicate and so one of the ways it's it's very strong is it's got a very favorable signal to noise ratio so you don't have to shout to get your message across. So you can whisper and it still comes through pretty clearly. I'm talking about 5G, not, not actual humans. And so because it's so efficient with this signal-to-noise ratio, the latency is affected as well because we can communicate very clearly, very accurately, very easily. And this is this was a surprising fact that I learned, which was typical Wi-Fi is hovering around 10 to 100 milliseconds of latency, whereas 5G we're getting down to one millisecond of latency. So from a latency perspective, there's an advantage to 5G. Now, whether it's 5G that's running from your nearest cell tower or you set up your own local 5G network in the building and connect that up to a wired network connection that gets you to the cloud, 5G is is extremely efficient. And that's why, like, let me take it one step further. Your phone today is very small, but if you remember back, you know, the phone was a flip phone with a big, it was big. It didn't do much. You'd be happy if you could make a call. Then they started to text. But your phone and your phone would last a couple hours on battery if you weren't using it. But today's communication, today's phones, cell phones, you know, if it gives you less than like 18 hours, most people are pretty disappointed. <laughs> and the way we the way that that's done is through tremendous efficiency, display efficiency, compute efficiency. And of course, Actual over-the-air communication, right, through the 5G network is incredibly effective and incredibly efficient. And I'm I'm a guy who loves efficiency. And so for me, I'm fascinated by this whole network. I, I remember way back in the day, I worked at Philips, and there was a, a systems architect in ultrasound who was an incredibly intelligent guy, and he could explain the most complex topics. One of them being he had spent his early career developing cellular communication, and he explained it at at a young age. It made my head spin, and I've always been fascinated and always enjoyed learning about the efficiency and and how that system works. So, uh, but anyway, I I hope I answered your question. Last question. We'll let you go. This is one uh, which we've gotten a 
ton, ton of email on, and that is robots and cybersecurity. And uh, a typical email starts out, hey, they're attacking our infrastructure. I mean, they're shutting off all the electricity to Cleveland. Uh, what the hell is a warehouse going to do? You know, and I said, well, you know, that's a pretty good question. If I've got billions of dollars involved in a DC, can it be shut down on me? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what's what's the story there? We did some uh, some research on it, and it seems to be to be one of the number one items for 2023 is how to keep yourself safe. So now, how does adverb do it? Do you? build out this wonderful structure with all of these things happening in it. And when the guy says, the owner says, what about cybersecurity? They say, oh, we'll set you up with somebody. Don't worry about that. We'll get on the phone. We'll have them over here. How do you deal with that? Well, cybersecurity is especially a topic now with everything going on in the world in in Eastern Europe. So, you know, the cyber warfare is the new warfare. Strategically, if one company wants to trouble another company, there are certainly exploits that um, they can take advantage of unless the company that's the target is taking good care to protect themselves. And I think the industry as a whole has become extremely aware and legacy products are much more vulnerable than brand new products to for cybersecurity issues. So when we look at things from an IoT perspective, IoT manufacturers deal with this question all the time. The exact email you mentioned, they probably get every day or they have that discussion. Right. And, you know, we work with IoT manufacturers on the devices to find, you know, and they understand the vulnerabilities of the hardware and the soft, the firmware that they create for their devices, which we can do testing and penetration testing on, which we do. We have we have ethical hackers on staff whose, whose job it is, is to try to break into our stuff. And then on top of the support that we get from the native device manufacturers, we build our own layers on around and on top of that. So in the device firmware, we've got secure boot, trust zone enabled firmware. So we're, you know, we're we're doing some of the basics to make sure that when we turn the system on, it wasn't corrupt from the beginning that it was turned on every day. Every day that we boot any robot or any system, you know, we're checking all the checksums to make sure hey, it's still, it hasn't been corrupted. Nobody's messed with it. So now we can go ahead and proceed. And then at the communication level, you know, there's the the mid-access, there's channel and protocol implement security. And then on top of that, we've got our application layer security where we we basically at the application layer are watchdogging everything to make sure everything checks out that what was sent is what is received and what was intended is still what was intended. It hasn't been corrupted in some way. So if you are using, say, Cognic vision systems in, in some of your shops, you'll, you'll say to Cognix, are these things cyber safe? Are they secure? And this, this Cognix then say, reasonably, but that's, that's up to you. You're creating this place here. So, I mean, how do you deal with that? Anybody will say to you, whatever you build around it may introduce vulnerability, vulnerabilities. But Cognex or Adverb would say, from our system, it's you're not going to see a vulnerability. But the information you introduce or you receive from our system, if you, you know, if we're communicating to an unsecure network, whatever happens beyond our firewall, we can't say that we know what's happening to it, right? 
So, you know, Cognex sending a signal to the next in line, Cognex is sending what they're sending. And it's very unlikely that anybody is corrupting a, a, a quality Cognex device, just like nobody's going to be corrupting the communication or, or taking over a robot from Adverb because we protect ourselves against that, as does Cognex. But if Cognex is talking to some third-party Wi-Fi router that's then talking to Adverb system, and Adverb wasn't you know, a part of designing that interface okay. or wasn't responsible, but it, you know, it was just an existing router, let's say, who knows, let's say it's 10 years old router, but we just use it because it was there and the customer opted to use that against better advice. Um, naturally, nobody can be, unless the system is designed for security from end to end, the security can't be guaranteed. The system ah. has to be designed for security. It doesn't so happen So do you do that when you, well, I mean, when somebody is considering purchasing from Adverb, you say, okay, this is what the system is gonna cost. But if you want cybersecurity built in end to end, it will be X more. I mean, is that how it goes? We actually offer it in the other direction. Wow. This is the whole system, including all of our communication per our specification, because we want the reliability and the robustness to be there. And cybersecurity is one component of being robust and secure or robust and reliable. But in order for the system to be robust and and reliable, Things like 5G, we'll, we'll set up our own 5G network if we need to because we want that very low latency that we get from 5G as opposed yeah. to the other benefits we get is tremendous security. It goes without saying. So if if there was some reason during technical review or something, the customer decided, well, you know, we, we absolutely have to use, we've got a, a room full of 10-year-old routers in the back room. We have to use them, right? It's a CapEx. We, we're going to use it. We would obviously, anybody would advise against doing that. And anybody would say, I'm not going to put a multi-million dollar system at risk to save, you know, a 10-year-old right. router, right? So it would be, <laughs> it, right. It, it, the corner case where that would happen, I think, is very unlikely. But we implement security by design. And so end-to-end, the system is, is secure by design, not by luck. Obviously, that will go along with these four Ds that you talk about, uh, your unique approach, discovery, design, development, and dedicate. So you could do the first three, but if you're not dedicated to the customer after the sale is made, then uh, things can go downhill very quickly. So that's how you take care of cybersecurity. Okay, that's good. Now I know. Now I have something to send back on the emails, <laughs> and that and that's your phone number. Call this guy. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure as usual having you on the show, and I think our readership, our listenership, is going to just love it. And uh, you're just a really nice, affable, and intelligent and knowledgeable guy. I mean, what better kind of person could you possibly have on a show uh, than yourself? So thank you very much, Mark Messina, who is Managing Director and Chief Executive Officer of Adverb Technologies North America. And he's been that way for a year, and he's doing gangbusters job. So check him out. Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks so much, Tom. Have Have a great day. Have a great day there. You too. All right. Bye. Well, dear friends, we've come to the close of another This Is Robotics Radio News podcast. Many thanks for coming. We sincerely hope that you enjoyed your brief stay with us, found the program interesting, 
and had a few takeaways that will stick in your memory banks and power your day along. Thanks also to Global Robotics for being such a wonderful source for news. Please remember, if you have news to share, requests, kind words, or a bone to pick, please get in touch with us at news at thisisrobotics.com. Once again, news at thisisrobotics.com. As a production of Asian Robotics Review, we hope you visit the site regularly. And please, sign up for our twice-weekly newsletters. It's painless. Just your email is all we need. So long. Until next time. That brings to a close today's edition of Radio News. As always, thank you for your interest and attention. Until our next report, please be sure to click on over to This Is Robotics, the online news column at Asian Robotics Review. Also, look for This Is Robotics Radio News at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Pandora. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Radio News, signing off. Have a great day.